What's up, Broncos country? What's up, Broncos country? This is Phil Lindsay. Justin Simmons here. This is Alexander Johnson. Hey, I'm Vaughn Miller, and you're listening to the Neutral Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime, really my everything. It's at Eric Dalalit. Eric, a terrible way to uh, start the season for the Broncos. A 16 to 14 loss to the Titans. A game really that felt like maybe the Broncos should have taken care of business uh, and, and finished this one out. Yeah, this wasn't how we were supposed to start the season, Phil. This, is, this wasn't what our first uh, post-game podcast was supposed to be like. Exactly. I think that uh, there was so much hype and so much excitement coming into this game, and uh, you knew that you were going to be facing a tough Tennessee Titans team, you know, a team that likes to dominate the time of possession. And they certainly did that in that third quarter and, and most of the fourth it felt like the Broncos could just never really get into a flow on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. They just couldn't get off the field on third down. So um, a lot for us to break down here on this episode of the neutral zone. We'll talk about the timeouts, what happened at the end of the game. Plus we'll talk about, uh, you know, uh, maybe some positives and where, where the Broncos go from here. Uh, as they now face a very uh, tough Week 2 opponent in the Pittsburgh Steelers. But, uh, Eric, let's dive into what happened there at the end of the game. Vic Fangio said that he uh, is taking full responsibility for not calling a timeout. Yeah, and I think this starts, Phil, essentially after the pass interference call on Michael Ojemudia there um, with just a couple of minutes left because at that point now the – Titans are in field goal range, and you've got to start deciding how do we use our three timeouts to give ourselves a chance in case they score here. And, and really, although Steven Goskowski missed four, four kicks, I don't think it was realistic to expect he was going to miss a fifth. Um, and the big thing that Vic Fangio said is there was a run where the Titans had a second and four with a minute and 33 seconds left. And Derrick Henry ran for 13 yards. They got a first down. And at that point, if the Broncos can stop the clock, there's still a minute and 27 seconds left, I think, going back and looking at it. And, you know, if you, if you hold them to a field goal there, you probably have a minute, a minute and 10 seconds to go 30 yards and give Brandon McManus the chance at a field goal. Instead, they do not call this timeout or any of their timeouts for that matter. And they don't get the ball back until there's 17 seconds left. And at that point, you're left – you essentially needed a big play on the very first play from scrimmage and then hope for a 55, 60-yard field goal. They, they weren't able to even get the, the yards they needed on that first play to make that realistic. And uh, here's that uh, soundbite from Vic Fangio from his press conference on Tuesday. I did miss calling a timeout after the uh, second down play from the 29-yard line. When Henry got uh, 13 yards down to our 16, I should have called timeout there. That was the one I missed. And then later on in the press conference, he uh, mentioned why maybe he missed that opportunity to call timeout. You know, it was totally my fault there. I had too much thought into what I was going to call next on defense, and I missed it. 
Eric, in my personal opinion, I think that as soon as you feel like the Titans are anywhere near what you would consider field goal range, you got to start thinking about a make, and then how can the Broncos come back and try and uh, and win this game with a with their own field goal? So I think as soon as you get into that, you know that range where they cross the fifty, you got to start be thinking offensively instead of defensively and. You know, the other thing, Eric, is when you call timeout, you got a chance to regroup there. Maybe some of the momentum the Titans had rolling at that point gets slowed down a little bit. And maybe if you're the Titans, you start thinking, uh, overthinking things instead of just playing because they're nervous about a field goal. Goskowski had already had such a rough day. Maybe they start overthinking things and just say, okay, let's make the Broncos use up their timeouts. Maybe they're not as aggressive, whatever. But, but I think that as soon as they cross the 50, you got to start thinking about, okay, how can I get enough time here for my offense? And I thought they kind of did that in terms of giving the defense time to regroup because after there was that pass to A.J. Brown that Vic challenged right before the two-minute warning, and that gave the Broncos defense probably, once you combine the two-minute warning with the challenge time, four, five, six minutes to rest. I mean, it was an extended period of time and then there was an incompletion, and it looked like maybe the Broncos could get off the field. But then there was a defensive pass interference call on Michael Ojemudia that kind of messed that up. And I just think it was a fine line, Phil, because when before Derrick Henry ran that ball on second and four, the ball was at the 29-yard line. And so if the Titans – say you hold them there, which the Broncos have done a good job of holding Derrick Henry up all day, that's still a 47-yard field goal, and I don't think there's – was a lot of faith in Goskowski that he was going to make that length given the day he'd had. And so maybe Vic's thinking, Hey, like, I don't want to help them get any closer. And then once Derek Henry makes that run, you have to quickly change your, almost your strategy in that moment. And it doesn't seem like Vic Fangio was able to adjust quickly enough. And he admitted to that and took responsibility for it. But I don't know. That's, that's been the, that was a storyline on Twitter, Phil, right after the game, that these timeouts were what ruined it for the Broncos. It was the main line of questioning during Vic's press conference on Tuesday. That, to me, is not where the game was lost. Well, and I think that we can uh, talk about some other turning points here in just one second. One other thing that I think is worth talking about since Vic brought it up himself is that he was thinking about his next defensive play call. And you want Vic calling the plays because – he's the head coach because of his, he's a defensive mastermind, you know, like he, he calls the right plays at the right time. So you want him calling plays, but this is part of the issue with that is that maybe things like calling a timeout and game management aren't at the forefront of his mind. I just, I don't know how the Broncos avoid this situation moving forward. Yeah. I mean, you have to clarify here, who is advising Vic about when to take timeouts or, you know, maybe he's got that chart more readily available because it's not like these are being decided in the moment to some degree. There's a, there's a chart in terms of when you use timeouts and when you don't and how many you need to get a stop uh, based on how much time is left on the clock. So these things are all somewhat predetermined. I think it's just that big shift in strategy from, hey, if we stop Derrick Henry here on second and four and it's third and five at the 30, they're going to have 
a 47-yard field goal here in a second, and, and we don't want to stop the clock. So you go from that to instantly, you know, a big run, and and now you go into scramble mode where you think, oh, how how do we give ourselves a chance? And up in the press box, Phil, I thought, do you should you let Derrick Henry score? And I don't know if that would have been too drastic of a measure. I mean, certainly using the timeouts would have been, you know, a, a little bit easier and maybe a better first step. But with 49 seconds left, because once he gets once he gets those 13 yards to the Denver 16, in my mind, the field goal is guaranteed. You know, he's that kicker is not going to miss a 25-yard field goal or, or whatever it was from there. That's probably about a 33-yarder. He didn't miss an extra point, but um, to me, you can assume you've got to assume that field goal is going to get made. And so then I think, hey, if we need to go down and score here, should we, you know, should we let them get in the end zone so that you still have a minute and three timeouts in order to go down the field? And obviously, they didn't do that, but I wouldn't have hated that if that did happen. I mean, uh, I. Whatever, however you want to slice it up, the Broncos ran out of time in this game, and they drove home with two timeouts left in their pocket. So however you want to slice it up, they ran out of time, and they still had timeouts left. So something went wrong. So uh, I think that it's a learning moment. I think that, uh, you know, as long as Vic has been in this league, he hasn't been the one who's managing the clock all those years. So. You know, these are learning moments, and hopefully the Broncos can uh, move on from this. But like you mentioned, Eric, there are a lot of moments in this game where the Broncos feel like they let this thing slip away. For me, that Melvin Gordon fumble early on in the game, the Broncos had all the momentum, the offense was rolling, and uh, whenever you turn the ball over that close to your own end zone, the Titans are too good. They're going to make you pay for that mistake. Yeah, and the the timing of some of these mistakes came really, I think, the two biggest ones, which was that Melvin Gordon fumble you're talking about and a, another play later that I'll get to in a second. But it came after a Broncos touchdown and then a Titans three and out. Exact same situation in both cases. And, you know, the Broncos got a first down. I thought Drew Locke made a nice play uh, to keep the drive going. And then – you throw it out to Melvin Gordon and what looks like an easy five or six yard gain, the ball pops out from behind. And like you said, all of a sudden the, the tone of the game is different. And then you get to the point where the Titans have to miss a field goal going into halftime to not be down. And, you know, I, I kind of got the sense at halftime, like the Broncos have played some really good football here for part of the game. They should be up. And then you also felt at points in the game where, the Broncos should be losing because the Titans have missed four kicks. And it was just that type of game. And unfortunately, the Broncos just made one too many mistakes. And that Gordon one was a big one. Yeah, because it lets, uh, you know, the Titans come back into the game and they tie it up with a, a touchdown five plays later. You know, the thing is that with Melvin Gordon, as great of a player as he is, he is known to fumble three, four or five times a season. So, um that's what you. That's just what you get with him. So that that one ended up hurting him. But the Broncos still bounce back. They their next drive, twelve plays, seventy four yards, but it stalls at the one yard line. And Eric, I, I didn't mind the decision to go for it on fourth and goal. But 
in my opinion, if you have first and goal like the Broncos did at the two-yard line, you got to be able to figure out a way to get that ball in. And, uh, you know, they did have – I don't even mind that they didn't give it to Gordon like four times there, uh, which I normally would do because on that second down play, Locke just overthrew Nick Bennett there. He had him wide open. Yeah, I mean – I didn't like the fourth down play, which was a shovel pass to Jake Butt. That I don't know if that was the intended option or if that's if that's just how it developed. But like you said, when you have the ball first and goal at the two yard line, I would get into a set where you get Andrew Beck in there and uh, you run it three times, and if you don't get in, then you then you run it again on fourth, and maybe somewhere in there you you mix up a you mix in a play action boot you know, which worked well uh, for Drew Locke during that game. I thought he was probably had some of his most success off play action. Um, but if you can't get two yards from the two-yard line and get in the end zone, in some ways you don't deserve to score. But I think the Broncos could have punched it in from there. And so that's where – that to me felt more like a missed opportunity in term, as opposed to like this was a massive mistake. You know, because I don't think the Titan, like the Titans did not go down and score after that. They drove all the way down and had the field goal blocked. But um, th- that was less of like, a, gosh, what are you doing? Like, that's a massive mistake that's going to lose the game for you. And more of just a, uh, that's a missed opportunity where you should have gotten some points. I mean, they could have gone up 14 to 7 there and you're feeling really good. You feel like it's probably should be 14 nothing at that point. And, and like you mentioned, the missed field goals, it was weird. You felt like both teams should have been winning by more. Uh, sometimes some of these Broncos games recently have just taken on such weird feels. Like, uh, I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, the other time where I thought that the Broncos really missed an opportunity was after they scored the touchdown to – to take the one-point lead, Eric. Uh, they held the Titans to back-to-back three and outs, but the Broncos themselves could not manufacture any points in that in that period, in that span. They uh, went five and out, and then they went three and out. And yeah. in that, at that point, you're looking to either kill clock, which they weren't able to do, or get some points, and they weren't able to do that either. Yeah, the the first drive wasn't as bad to me because um, you did kill two and a half minutes. You flipped the field again. Uh, you know, Sam Martin hit an incredible punt all the way down to the four-yard line. He was kind of an underrated guy, I thought, who had a really nice game and kept the Broncos right. in it. Um, but the the second one, you know, the, the Titans have the ball at the four-yard line. You force them to go three and out. I will say if the fans were there, that place would have been rocking at that point after that stop. Uh, and then you've got a wide open throw to Jerry Judy. He makes an incredible move off the line of scrimmage. He's running a little skinny post and, and gets open and drops that pass. And you don't want to say a game boils down to, to one play, but if he catches that, you have the ball at the 30-yard line with 430 or so to play, you're going to be able to drain – at least two minutes off the clock just from there if you run the ball because you're in field goal range or you make the Titans use all their timeouts. And you get points, which means that 
the Titans now have to go the length of the field and get a touchdown as opposed to a field goal. And so the way the Broncos defense played, I don't think that would have happened. You know, maybe maybe you kick a field goal there and they have two minutes to work with and they still go down the field and score a touchdown and win. But I like the Broncos' chances much more there uh, than what happened. And Judy will bounce back. He's a He showed some impressive athleticism and obviously the fact that he was so open on these throws shows that he's a good player. But if he makes that catch, they win the football game, I think. Yeah, so do I. I mean, I don't think there's really much question about it just because the clock wind down, they get points. And, uh, you know, I just think at that point, the Titans aren't in a position where they can drive the length of the field with the way that they like to play. So those are a couple of things on the offensive side of the ball, Eric, because when you ultimately look at it, you got to score more than 14 points to win in this league, and they just weren't able to do that. So no matter how you slice it up, if you hold a team to 16 points, you should be winning a game. So that just didn't happen. The, on the defensive side of the ball, I will say they had a very difficult time getting off the field on third down. The Titans were 7 of 16 on third down, which it just felt like at some points in the game, they just were just on the field forever. It was hard for the Broncos offense to get into any kind of a flow. Yeah, I mean, 7 of 16 isn't awful. You know, the, the league average last year was about 40%, and 7 of 16 is 43%. So, Well, the, the Broncos converted three third downs, just to give you a perspective. They converted three. They, the Titans converted seven. I'm not saying that the Broncos' offense was good on third down. I'm saying that the Titans, uh, you know, the – the Broncos defense played well enough to win. Like you mentioned, yes. if you hold if you hold your opponent to 16 points, you should win the football game. And despite allowing that long drive at the end of the game, the Broncos defense also forced two three and outs in the fourth quarter. And so for me it's it's hard to nitpick too much there. Like if they were if the Titans were 12 of 16 on third down or or 11 of 16, I'd be more apt to say there's a big problem here and and listen, the pass rush wasn't there, especially in the second half, as much as you would like it to be. Uh, in the first half, I thought they did a good job with Bradley Chubb. Atachu got a sack. Uh, they sent Alexander Johnson a couple times. And they got some pressure in the second half, but Tannehill just had a little more time, I thought. And, and they were dinking and dunking the same way that, you know, Derek Carr's Las Vegas Raiders like to do that's been successful the last few years against the Broncos. Um, I the reason why I say that it felt like it killed was because on that touchdown drive that the Titans had to go up 13-7, they converted three third downs and a fourth down. So that's why it felt like just like every time the Broncos had an opportunity to make a play and get off the field, it just didn't happen. You know, and granted, a lot of those were like third and three, third and two, third and five, fourth and one. Yeah. I mean, I give credit to the Titans for keeping things manageable, but still, you would just like to have gotten to, to him and sacked him one time on one of those plays. Bring a blitz, change something up. I do think that the Broncos, they're going to have to figure out a way to get some sort of a pass rush because one sack is not what we're accustomed to seeing here. No, they are going to have to figure things out, and 
I mean, a part of that, Phil, we've talked about this for two or three years now. Part of that is what the other teams can do when the offense doesn't score a lot. Because if, the say, the Broncos go up 14-7, or say the Broncos uh, don't, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon doesn't fumble and they get a field goal on that drive and then you score later and it's 17-7 it's to 7 at halftime and you have a, a 7 or a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, then the Titans have to throw the ball and Ryan Tannehill has to drop back and take more chances and then the pass rush can get there. They still – they ran the ball the entire game because they didn't have to get away from it. And they threw short passes the entire game because they weren't forced to get away from it because – much like kind of the Chicago game last year, it was a one score game or a tie game for near, you know, it was the entire game. No team that was ever up by more than seven points. And so that's where you look at a, a game like the Chargers last year, or the Texans, you got to get teams out of what they want to do. And that's the only way you're going to help this pass rush. Otherwise it's going to be similar to what we saw on Monday. Yeah. And, and the other thing I'll mention is that it does seem like, you know, the Broncos have lost a lot of key contributors here due to injury. I mean, Von Miller, not having him, I felt like you missed that on that last drive. Maybe they can get home and get a sack. Uh, obviously, missing Corland Sutton, that hurt. I thought that maybe uh, in some of those situations, uh, especially in that fourth quarter, maybe you go to Sutton just because you know he's reliable. Uh, A.J. Boye left the game with a sprained shoulder. Philip Lindsay left the game with turf toe. I mean, these types of things start to add up after a while, and uh, you just hope that you could pull out a game like this because, you know, in the NFL, every game it's going to come down to, like, what we're talking about here, three or four moments where either you're making the plays to win the game or you're not. So – yeah, the the sudden injury to me is the one that hurt the most. And you know, I get that Vaughn's a great player, but they they did a good job against Derrick Henry. He only had he had over a hundred yards, but only three point seven yards per carry. That end of game thirteen yard rush, I think, might have been his longest of the game. Um, and so, to me, like you mentioned, Phil, it's more about Drew Lock was he was missing his go to guy on third down. He was when he throws a deep pass on the second to last drive to Deshaun Hamilton in the end zone. If that's Corland Sutton, who has an extra few inches on Deshaun Hamilton and probably gets down there a little faster, does he complete that pass or just has the chemistry with Corland to make that throw? Um, that to me was the plus. There's the you know the addition of then Judy doesn't have to put so much pressure on himself, which Locke thinks is why he dropped a couple of those passes. Um, so to me, missing Cortland, it's not going to get easier because if if you think the Titans defense was good, I think the Steelers defense might be even better, especially up front. Uh, they're going to challenge the Broncos offensive line. Most definitely. And I mean, we can talk about a couple of positives here. And one of them was that Drew Locke was not sacked in this game. And I thought that Garrett Bowles played pretty well. There were a couple of times where I thought maybe Dalton Reisner could have made a block here or there, and that could have sprung a play, especially that fourth and goal. If he can make his block there, maybe Butt finds a way to get in. Um, but, yes, T.J. Watt, you know, uh, uh, and that the guys with – Cam Hayward. 
they're going to be that's going to be a problem for the Broncos next week. And then, plus their secondary, you know, uh, you know the Titans last night were missing a Dory Jackson. So uh, there are some positives to take away from this game. Noah Fant had a nice game. I felt like he had things rolling, and then for some reason just didn't get that many opportunities in the second half. But it did seem like when the Broncos offense got into a rhythm, they were getting easy plays, getting open looks. Uh, and I think that that's one of the things to keep an eye on moving forward. I think you got to be encouraged about that. You just hope, hope that they can get that going more and then have that convert into some touchdowns. And in the red zone offense, it really only bit them that one time, but that's going to be the last thing to develop. That always takes the longest for any team just because it's built on precision and timing. And that's what you don't get without the lack of a preseason. Um, but yeah, I thought Locke played well. That throw to Noah Fant in the first quarter was tremendous. Showed Gutsy. His, showed Guts. his athleticism, showed his, uh, his moxie, a little bit of his athletic arrogance, as Vic Fangio has said in the past. Uh, Melvin Gordon had 5.2 yards per carry. I mean, with the exception of the fumble, I think the pairing of him and Philip Lindsay was nice. And when those two guys were on the field together, it created a, a mismatch where you didn't know where they were going to go with the ball. Uh, a couple times Gordon went out wide. A couple times Lindsay went up wide. Uh, Lindsay caught a pass down the seam that got them to the two-yard line there at the end of the first half when him and Gordon were both on the field. You had three 60-plus-yard drives. I thought that Michael Ojemudia played well and showed you kind of what he could be as one of your cornerbacks. Kareem Jackson looked – you know, he doesn't look like he's past 30. He's playing well. Uh, and then – they made stops until that last drive. They made they made enough stops to win the game, I think, and it just didn't happen because they didn't get the cooperation they needed from the offense. But those two three and outs should have been enough. And so, like you mentioned, Phil, I, I feel more optimistic about where this team – I think this team is ahead of where it was last year after week one where, you know, after that o- Oakland game you were just kind of like, man, this offense is, is far off. And I don't necessarily think that's the case, but it still does seem like the Broncos can't make these mistakes, at least this many, and still find a way to win the game. Exactly. you you got to clean up a few of these things in order to beat good teams in the NFL. And uh, they're not quite there yet. You know, I mean, this is just part of it. And the the score would have been uh, not even close if uh, Goskowski makes some of those field goals. So uh, it all it all plays into the ebbs and flows of a game. But but uh, you know if he makes even just two more of those, then it's a sort of a different score and a different situation at the end of the game. So um, I did like Phil. Sorry to interrupt you there, but I liked how the coaches put the game in the players' hands for the most part, like there on the last drive. I like that you throw the ball to Jerry Judy. And if he catches that, you win the game. You're not being fixed. We're not going to be conservative this year. And to me, going for it on fourth down, throwing it to Judy instead of running three times once you have the ball at the 44, maybe it's not the traditional thinking, but I think it shows that you trust your players to, to win these games. Yeah, but, you know, if you want to be aggressive like that, it needs to be more than 14 points, you know, like, like, uh, 
you just look at some of the rest of the teams around the league. They're just put up – they just, like, blink and they have 34 points, you know. Uh, it just seems like some of these games are just such a struggle and such a grind. They, you know, like when – I mean, you even texted me during the game, Eric. You were like, I don't like the feel of this. And it was after the Broncos had that that uh, five-play drive in it and they uh, had to punt. You know, there was just a feel to it that is a little too familiar for Broncos fans. Uh, and, you know, it feels like maybe one of these days – like kind of like that Houston game last year where they just exploded out of it. They need some, they need a game like that where just something is just clicking and they feel good about themselves. Not just one of these games that it comes down to the last second. Always. And, you know, when you look at a schedule, I'm not sure when that game is going to come. Yeah. Maybe uh, against the jets who are pretty beat up. Um, I think Le'Veon Bell got put on IR as we're recording this, which means he can't play. Obviously, they're out without Jamal Adams and C.J. Mosley. But, yeah, you talk about a fine line in terms of the season. If the Broncos win that game, I think you go into this week at Pittsburgh and recognize, hey, that's a really good team. East Coast, short week. Because we beat the Titans, we can afford to to lose this game and – and get out of here at one and one and feel decent about ourselves. And now if you go and you lose that game, you're Oh, and two, you've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming to town and you think, Oh no, here we go again. Here's that Oh, and four start from uh, 2019. I think Phil, if the Broncos can get back to two and three after they go to new England, they'll be in a spot where, you at least feel decent about your ability to stay in the race all season and and not be playing catch up because if you're one and four, you've just got to go on a, a crazy run to some degree, um, especially because your first game after that Dolphins, or excuse me, after that New England game. Uh, well, I guess you play Miami, but then the Chiefs come to town, so it doesn't get a lot easier. Uh, Phil, I just. It's tough. It's, it's well, a tough road. I, I think the bottom line is if you want to be a good team, you got to beat good teams and you got to find ways to win some of these games. You can't just only rely on, oh, well, at least we'll play the Jets in a couple of weeks and, you know, maybe we can knock off the Dolphins there. But, oh, hey, the Patriots. I mean, if you want to be a good team and you want to make the playoffs, you got to beat playoff teams. And uh, they weren't able to do that on Monday night. Now they got another chance to try and do that. Uh, against the Steelers on Sunday. But hopefully it, it'll help out just uh, not having all those terrible towels. That's true. I mean, that, I think that will help. And obviously we'll dive more into that later in the week. But, you know, we say good teams beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And when you don't do that, then you've got to make up for it somewhere. You know, the, the Broncos now don't have the luxury of being able to stomach as many losses. You've got to upset a – Pittsburgh or a Tampa Bay or a, a Kansas City or somebody like that. You just – you've got to find now another win on your schedule. You know, like the last point I'll make here is just I don't want to overreact to one game. You know, I don't think that that's a, a good way to approach things. And, you know, I think that every game takes on its its own feel and that kind of thing. So I'm not ready to just, like, pack up the season and, and call it good here. But 
uh, I am a little discouraged. I just thought maybe that offense would have put up some more points, especially after everything that we talked about all, all off season. I just, I was expecting maybe just like maybe some shots, maybe some deep plays drill lock overthrew a couple of guys where maybe the timing just wasn't, uh, wasn't there. I just, I don't know about you, Eric, but I was just sort of ex- expecting a little bit more from that offensive side of the ball. I was actually, it was about what I expected and maybe even a little bit more. Um, and I know that's tough to say when you only score 14 points, but I thought they did some good things getting Noah Fan in space, you know, these plays to Jerry Judy. Part of it is you're redesigning your whole game plan three days before the game because your best offensive player in Cortland Sutton gets hurt. And so who knows what they've drawn up on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in these meetings to take advantage of that. You know, Cortland was not an injury like a uh, like some of these other ones that happen in training camp where you can then prepare for what happens. Like the, you're adjusting on the fly there. And they took some deep shots. I think I went back and watched and counted four times that Locke looked really deep. They had, I think, five plays over 20 yards. Um, there, there were moments, and like you said earlier, Phil, when they were on, they were really on. Those two touchdown drives, and even the one where they got down to the one-yard line, they moved the ball quickly, they moved it efficiently, and they looked like they could move the ball on anybody. You just can't have everything else that went along with it. And we knew that this was going to be a struggle. We knew that opening on Monday night football, playing the Titans team that was in the AFC championship game, you just, maybe you got the feel that like that team knew how to win some of these games. The Broncos not quite there yet. Younger team, that kind of thing. But those excuses only last so long. So uh, see how they bounce back this week. Eric, any any other thoughts here on, uh, on the game against the Titans before we wrap this bad boy up? No, Phil, I think, uh, like you mentioned, there are enough positives that I think you'll see improvement in this team uh, and pretty quickly at that. And if if they ever get to a point where some of these key players stop getting hurt, I think uh, they can be pretty competitive in these games and, and get some of these wins and get back to the team that they were toward the end of 2019. And, you know, if Hamler can come back, if Sutton can at least just, uh, you know, give you a few plays here or there, Maybe we'll start to see some of those uh, those plays, but I feel just a little bit frustrated, I guess, Eric. But I got high expectations, you know, high standard. You're, you're always a little bit frustrated. Exactly. I just thought, let's just come out and let's get some wins going here. That's a that's sort of what I was. That's what I thought the recipe was. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think if if you would have said, "Hey, we." We held the Titans to – like, think of what the Titans did in the playoffs last year to the Ravens. And you – in Baltimore, and you say, hey, we, we were beating that team with four minutes to go and had the ball, and we get one more first down, we win the game. I mean, there's a way to, that Vic Fangio can present this to his team and say, you guys were right there against a good team. And, you know, who knows, who knows how good the Titans end up being this season, but – Exactly. That's you know, it. We, that's the reason why you don't overreact because it's like, well, what if you just play one of the best teams in the NFL? Yeah. You know, you just don't have any, you don't have any idea. So, but we all know the statistics about zero and two teams making the playoffs. So maybe that changes with a, with an additional spot, but 
It's more to me, it's not about the 0-2 because I, I do still think, really in my eyes, this is one of the probably the three most difficult games on the Broncos' schedule. Um, it's less to me about the 0-2 as it is about can you find a way to get back by the middle of the season to 500. So if that means starting 0-2 or 0-3 and, and you find a way to get to 4-4 four and four or – you know, five and five, you've got to get back to that range soon enough. I mean, Phil, think about in what it must have been 2017 when the Broncos, you know, they, they fell in that huge hole. I think they were three and six, won three games to get to six and six and would have made the playoffs if they won three of their final four and had Chris Harris and Emmanuel Sanders not gotten hurt. I think that was a, a great possibility. So 2018. Like yeah, 2018. Yeah, so the season uh, not over by any stretch, but they're gonna have to turn turn things on quickly. If there's if they if they're zero and three, there's gonna be panic in the streets. There's already there's panic. Be, there's already panic in your in your home. There's gonna like. be there's gonna be people just trying to pound it down the gates here at UCL. So stay stay away. Let's avoid that. Let's just go ahead and avoid that and get a get a dub. All right, Eric. Well, we'll be back uh, later on this week with a full preview of the Steelers matchup, and uh, maybe we'll have a, a couple of interviews to boot here. But uh, we got to wash this out, get the mouth get the mouthwash going, rinse it out, and uh, get going here for a, a tough road game. So. All right, that's going to do it for us. For Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani. This has been The The Neutral Zone.